0: Well, good morning. I invite you to pray with me. We've had a a great weekend. Uh, I do want to pray for the students and the upcoming camp. I know some of them are already starting to memorize their scriptures and stuff, which is really cool. Uh, And then uh, also we had a great weekend. The church council and the leadership team went away and spent an evening and a morning just reflecting on this past year and then talking about where we sense God and praying about where we sense God leading us in the coming year. And so I'm very encouraged and excited about that. Uh, We... I felt that some real clarity came, and so uh, I'm not going to try and explain it all now, but in the next weeks and months, we are going to be talking about what we sense God calling us to and leading us to, and I think it's very exciting. So I'm going to pray for that as well. Would you join me, please, God? We ask, uh, first, that your hand be upon these students as they get ready to go to camp um, this summer. We ask that you would be already preparing their hearts. We pray that you'd be drawing them close together in community. And drawing them close to yourself, Lord. Uh, We pray for our students. What we ask for everybody, all of us, is that we would be a people who walk closely with you, depending on you, day in and day out, and actually doing life in and through you and by your strength. And so help them as they move in that direction and and use this camp to be a wonderful time. And for the ones that are coming who um, are, are on a search for what Faith might be and what it might be to follow Jesus, and, and they don't consider themselves Christians. I pray this would be a special time of consideration for them and that you would reveal yourself to them uh, during this season in a powerful way. Pray for this congregation, Lord. Thank you for what you've been doing and the continued growth and the work in people's lives. And even this past week, conversations with people that were where you're doing real uh, important and valuable things. You're changing us, you're drawing us close to yourself. and um, you are at work, you're alive, and you're, 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 you're loving and you're caring and you're pouring out your grace, and we thank you for that. And so we just invite you to be with us as we uh, open up your scripture today. We invite you to be with us, Holy Spirit, to guide us in the way, to help us to see, uh, first and foremost, our rootedness in you. The, 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 the love that you have for us and how that's to, to be the, the central gravitational force of our identity and who we view ourselves as. To be, and now we move through the world, then uh, in response to that, Lord, would you just do that hard work and that wonderful, beautiful work of rooting us and grounding us in the gospel and helping us to live more and more in the likeness of Christ? And for those of us here this morning who are in that place of, of inquiry and seeking and searching, we just pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us and that you would make uh, your, your presence evident and known. Uh, In your words and scripture, in the body of Christ, as we're gathered together in the worship, in the singing of songs, in the taking, the breaking of bread. We thank you for all this. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. We are in this series called The You God Made You to Be, and uh, there are three blessings that come out of becoming the you that God made you to be. Uh, The first one is it brings glory to God. Uh, When we live as he designed us to live, then that's honoring to him, and and that's great. Also, uh, the second blessing is that we uh, discover a blessing for ourselves in that uh, as we live out what God intended us to become, um, we have the peace that comes with a life that is the way it's meant to be, and that's a wonderful gift. And then lastly, the people around us get a blessing too, because they get to live next to somebody who's more loving, more kind, more gracious. You know more like Jesus, and, and that's a great blessing to them. We have been talking about this process of becoming uh, the person that God intended us to become through what we're calling a discipleship pathway, and this is a new uh, tool that we're using to kind of bring some structure to our language about discipleship. A lot of our discipleship language has been sort of freeform, uh, and it's, it's been very biblical, but we haven't really had a common language and a, and a sort of structure and a pathway for how a person grows And moves towards greater and greater maturity. Now there's always a danger in that because whenever you try to reduce and distill things down, you leave stuff out. So we acknowledge that. At the same time, it's helpful to try and and, and make it simple, at least so we can get our minds around it. So that's what this discipleship pathway has been about. It gives us this common language, kind of a skeleton upon which to hang our conversations about growth and discipleship and moving towards maturity. And here it is. Uh, it starts with getting connected, and, and, and we've been going through spending a week on each one of these. Um, to get connected means to decide decide to, to get into a community. I think it's easy for us to bop around and, and move to different communities so that we kind of feel like we're with other Christians, but nobody really knows us. And what the getting connected portion is saying, look, you need to stop and get connected to a few specific people and a specific community And be there for the long haul so that you can be known by others and you can get to know others. And that's essential to our growth and maturity. The second one is getting grounded. We're talking really about uh, getting grounded in the gospel. That's where the power is. That's what Paul tells us. And so we need to get grounded in the gospel. And uh, we need to learn to live life through the filter of the gospel. We talked a lot about the story of God, and so often we're over here living our own life and creating our own story. To be grounded is to take that story and to bring it under the story of God, to, to, to see our lives through the filter of the redemptive story that God is carrying out in the world. That's the get grounded piece. The, second, the third one is get healthy. This is what we looked at last week. We can know a lot about the scriptures. We can know a lot about the theology. Maybe you grew up in the church and you've been around Christians all your life, some of you have that, that's your experience, some of you maybe came to faith later but you've been really studying hard and, and so you know, you know all the information up here but there's some barrier or barriers that are keeping you from moving towards maturity, it's an issue of health and so last week he we talked about what does it look like to get healthy and to move towards maturity through that process And then today we're going to talk about what it looks like to get strong, which I'm excited about. It's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, In Christian community, we often look askance at being strong because we know the importance of weakness. So we're going to wrestle with that a little bit. And then next week, we're going to talk about getting going. Now, I wanted to say one thing about getting grounded, and that is that if you go to the next slide, when we were on the get grounded one, we talked about uh, having a clear and simple way to describe, to explain the gospel. Very important to have that, both for yourself and then for the people around you. When you think about filtering your life through the gospel, you want to be able to explain it to yourself and think, okay, what are the pieces that matter here as I'm trying to analyze my current circumstances? So you need to have a clear grasp of what the gospel is. Uh, But then also, what about those moments when you're at the cafe and your, your friend who's not a Christian says to you, hey, what is it that you believe anyway? And you have this precious window to explain to him or her your faith. And all you have is a pen and a napkin. Go. What are you going to do? Right? Well, we want to have a way to answer that question. And this is one way. We've, we really have worked hard on, on coming up with this and building this out of a, a study of the New Testament and the use of the word gospel in the New Testament. The three ma- major uses of the word gospel in the New Testament. And so... Uh, If you want to learn how to explain it in this way, you can go on to our discipleship website, which is this opiso.org website. Um, All kinds of resources on there. In fact, somebody told me recently we get more hits on that website than we do our church website. So um, people are using this uh, as a resource. And we just put up this week um, a video on, on walking through how to explain the gospel, kind of this napkin theology. If you have five minutes to explain the gospel to somebody. Now, I'm not saying that's the only way, and I'm not even saying that's the best way. I'm saying it's a way. It's the way that I'm using. And if you don't have that way, then make sure you have some way so that when you have an opportunity to explain the gospel, you can take that. And as you think about the gospel, you can work that through in your life. So just wanted to point out that resource. But again, today, we're going to be looking at getting strong. And so if you'd open to 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, we're going to start there and then we're going to bounce off that and go to a few different places this morning. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll pass one to you. We've got lots of Bibles in the back and we'd love for you to take this Bible home with you if you need it. In that Bible, it's on page 830 that we're going to be looking at. 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 24. Now, again, we're jumping in. I'm not going to do a full exposition of this text. Uh, This is more of a topical sermon, and so I'm going to be looking at several different passages. Uh, But I wanted to jump into the middle of what Paul is explaining as his recent experiences in life. Um, He is explaining uh, uh, to his critics um, his his faithfulness to God and, and what he's experienced. And I'm not going to get into all that portion of it because what I want you to just hear is the, about the life that Paul has lived. So starting in verse 24, he writes this. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Now, why would somebody be given 40 lashes less one? Because people thought that if you had 40, you would die. So let's give you 39. Right? We'll take you right up to the edge, and then we'll pull back by one lash. So you don't. So it's sort of the, the, the worst kind of punishment that you can get. Not only did Paul experience that, he experienced it five times. He was essentially on the verge of death there. Five times I received the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. We don't know what that looks like, but we could kind of imagine. Uh, once I was stoned, and he doesn't mean the Colorado style of stone here. This is the painful kind. Uh, Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. If you go into the book of Acts, you can look and read the story. It reads like there's an adventure novel of Paul uh, being shipwrecked and and floating around in in the water and then getting saved and all this incredible stuff. 26, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness... Danger at sea, so everywhere he's been in danger. Danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Every kind of circumstance you can imagine, Paul has experienced and in it struggled and suffered. Verse 28, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. As he went around and started all these churches, he would go to the next place, but he carried with him a burden for the church that he had left. And as he, as he started more and more churches, that burden grew more and more, and that sense of, 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 of wanting to make sure they were well cared for. And when there was a struggle or a fracture, he was emotionally engaged in their welfare. And in verse 29... Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? And then he goes on from there. But what I want you to see in this little passage that I read is that the life of Paul reads a little bit like a first century Indiana Jones tale, right? Um, He experienced all kinds of adventures and amazing things, and he endured them all. And when you look at that, you say, oh my goodness, what a strong man Paul was. Now let's think about Jesus. Jesus exhibited the same trait of strength, in fact, even more so. Jesus was out in the wilderness for how many days with no food? 40 days, 40 nights. Jesus is out there. If if you've ever fasted and you know the strength that it takes, can you imagine to fast for that long? Jesus stood up to the entire Jewish leadership. His culture, His people, He stood up to them all. But then He was forced to stand up in front of the Romans as well, the most powerful nation on earth, and Jesus was in front of them, standing up to leadership. Jesus embraced the cross at the end of his life. And and we know he says that, you know, at any moment I could call down legions of angels and save me from this predicament. But Jesus willingly embraces the cross. And on the way to that hill, he carries this burden. And already beaten and whipped and lashed, and and, and now he's got this tremendous weight, and he's plodding but he insists on going towards that hill, even though at any moment, he tells us, he could call quits and, and he, would be, he would be rescued and protected. But because of his own strength and, and, and desire, he continues on. And then, and then you know sort of top it all off, this Jesus is placed in a tomb, dead. And the tomb breaks open and he bursts forth in renewal and strength. And most of us, you know, we've suffered with uh, uh, working hard and having to sleep, and, and eventually we, we, we overcome that. None of us has been in death and, and bounced forward out of that. So there's something strong about Paul. There's something strong about Jesus. And we have to ask the question, where does the strength come from? And, and here's where Christianity sort of shines in its uniqueness. And that is that the strength that, that is exhibited in, in Paul and Jesus comes not from within them, but from the outside. And this is the the fundamental distinguishing mark when we talk about strength with respect to our Christian theology of strength, is that our strength comes from without, not from the inside. If you were to follow along in 2 Corinthians and go to the next chapter, that's just a few verses away, Paul is telling us about a thorn in his side. We don't really know what that was, but it was something that was bothersome to him. It may just be a metaphor for something bothersome to him, he'd been struggling with it. He asked God to take it away, and God did not take it away. And so he endured this thorn, whatever it was, and he writes this as he prays about it, verse 9 of chapter 12. But God said to me, as I was praying that this thorn would be taken away, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And then here it is. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So the secret to strength in the Christian life is weakness and infilling that comes from God. Jesus exhibited the same thing. In John 5, 19, he says this, speaking to his disciples. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son, referring to himself, can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. There's a great temptation that we have when we think about Jesus and emulating Jesus. Don't you always kind of want to say, well, he was Jesus, right? He was Jesus. And so he had something special that we don't have that enabled him to live out what he was called to live, and we don't have access to that. But what Jesus tells us is that he lived in dependency on the Father. Just like when He was going to the cross, He didn't resort to the strength that He had available at His fingertips to call down legions of angels and and save Him from this predicament. He lived moment by moment, not in His own strength, but in dependency on the Father. To model that for us. So the strength of Jesus was not just coming from inside, but it was in that dependency and the infilling of the Father. He says... I can do nothing of my own accord. Now, that's the nature of strength. And if we wanted to replay the tape even a little bit further in the scriptures, we would see somebody like King David who was a wonderful, amazing soldier, a soldier of soldiers and a musician and king of the nation and and built the kingdom from from little to, to great. And you would have... Looked at David, had you been alive in that day, and you'd say, what a strong man David was. And yet we have insight into how he perceived strength in the Psalms. Psalm 28.7, this is David saying, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to Him. Or Psalm 59, 17, he actually speaks of God as strength. He says, uh, Oh, my strength, referring to God. David's strength, if anybody had reason to look around and, and see what they had accomplished and said, Wow, I'm strong, look at me. It would be David, somebody like David. But David says, Oh, my strength, referring to God. I will sing praises to you, for you, oh God, are my fortress. The God who shows me steadfast love. So it's okay to talk about being strong within the Christian framework. Sometimes we're afraid of that, and sometimes we have have distanced people who who sense somehow that that, that there's something about strength that's good. It's it's not bad, always. It's okay to talk about being strong within the Christian framework. The difference is, is that it's a strength that comes from the Lord from outside of us. And so much of our culture is asking us to look deeper within and to find what they hope and believe to be some strength residing inherently inside of us. And the Christian message is the better way, the better option is to look outside to the the maker and the sustainer, to empty yourself and allow Him to fill you with the strength that is of a lasting and permanent nature, the same strength that was at work in Jesus Christ to raise him from the dead. So as we become connected and grounded and healthy, then we discover that the Lord's strength begins to inhabit us And it can begin to overflow. But the first step to that is one that I think is really hard for us. And that is the step of emptying, emptying ourselves. A vessel cannot be filled if it's already filled. And we live in a day and an age and a culture where we are being constantly filled with with messages and and the opportunities that come from technology. And we, we hardly ever stop to be empty or open or receptive. Because there's just so much frenetic energy going on. And when we feel a little bit of struggle or weakness or suffering, you know, if you're like me, you reach for that phone. Because it's such a great distraction. Right? Let me check the scores of this sport or the news or whatever it is. And I don't have to sit in my aloneness. I can be distracted. Right? There was a church in England that put out a CD of silence. How brilliant is that? You can have your technology and your silence at the same time. And apparently the people in the congregation were snapping it up and putting it in their CD player and just letting it play. Right? I love it. It's technology. Uh, you, get, you get your fix, right? But it's, it's silence. It's creating a space, an emptiness, an openness that God might fill it with His strength. The thing that has ministered to me, and I say this a lot, but the, the discipline of fasting is so powerful in this area. Because it's an emptying of self. To be hungry is to be empty. Your stomach is empty and, it's, and it, it, it doesn't feel good. And yet to sit in that place and to be empty and waiting and dependent and weak is to place ourselves right in the crosshairs of the picture of God's strength, which is waiting to be poured out into us. That's what Paul says. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And sometimes I feel like in this life you can embrace weakness or you can be brought to weakness. Either way, you'll get there, right? It may not be what you want if you're brought to it, but if you embrace it, you'll get there quicker. I find the discipline of fasting is so Wonderful that. It's just, it causes me to stop and to sit and to wait. And, and so on my Thursdays, as you heard me talk about, I, I don't always do it. It's not a rule. We don't have to make any regulations around this. But if it's a day of prayer and fasting, then I don't eat from the time I get up until dinner time. And sitting in that and having, experiencing that emptiness is a way for me to be reminded. Because I live in a culture where I'm constantly being filled, constantly being messaged, constantly being uh, distracted. So to sit in that for a little bit and to be empty gives me the the, the space to be filled by the one whose strength and power is actually lasting and significant. So imagine that. Imagine we all were able to get this message that it comes from filling, not from trying harder in our own strength, not from distractions, that real strength to become strong comes from God. And we've got to create emptiness and allow emptiness and weakness so that God can fill us. Let's say that we all go about doing that. Let's just say we get really good at that as a church. And I pray that we do. And we all start embracing weakness rather than running from it and distracting ourselves. We even pursue it sometimes. Let's just say we do that and we start to get stronger and we go through the the, the, uh, discipleship pathway and we're getting more grounded in the gospel. We're connected to one another and we're, we're getting healthy. Those places, those barriers to maturity that have been lingering for years and years and years, we're starting to knock them down and address them and we're starting to get strong. What happens then? What happens next? Well, what seems to be God's goal for us is that we would be filled with his strength not only for ourselves but then that it would overflow into the community around us and the world beyond that we would not just be filled but we would be filled to overflowing and then that 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 excess strength would become a blessing to the world around us I was at the ice cream store the other day and there was a woman in front of me and her child was sitting over here but he wasn't really sitting he was running around like a three or four-year-old, you know, just going crazy. And his dad was over here, and he was saying, Dad, guess what? Dad, guess what? Dad, guess what? And I could just see the tiredness in the dad's face as he listened to, Dad, guess what? And finally he said, what? You know, he had to finish what he was doing. And, and so the woman and I started talking about that energy, you know, and what if you could harness that energy? Because this kid was just going in all directions and talking and, and, and just watching makes an adult feel tired. But the kid is just filled with this energy, and what if you could harness that and make it go in a particular direction? What if you could harness the energy of the church and drive it in a particular direction? That's the question. What if we could harness? What if we got strong, and we had overflowing strength, not our own, but God's coming out of us? What if we could harness that? That's the question we want to grapple with. And there's three things that I want to talk about in relation to that. The first one is that if we were to harness that strength, what we would want to do is we would want to harness it for the mission, for our mission, for the mission to which we've been called. Gary Hogan, who started the ministry International Justice Mission, uses this great illustration. He talks about bodybuilders, and he says, he says here are these bodybuilders, and they, 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 they're massive, and they've got so much strength and power, and you wonder, what is that going to be used for? Right? And, and they just keep getting stronger, and probably people are stronger you know, today than they've ever been. And what is that that strength going to be? And he says, they're at home one day. This is about what the strength is. They're home someday, and their wife says, honey, could you open this jar for me? Right? And so all this muscle and this mass, and all it's used for is opening a jar. I got to tell you, I can open a jar. And I mean, look at me. I'm not a bodybuilder, right? So there's this excess muscle and this strength, and he says, the church is like that. Because of the power that resides in us. The church is like that. We've got all this muscle and this capability and this strength. And we're using it sometimes just to open jars. We're using it sometimes just to perpetuate our gathering. You know, ultimately, all of our strength and our giftedness and our ability wasn't just so that we could... We could preserve what we have here. It's to overflow into the city and into the world around us. It's, we're to be on mission bringing the gospel into the world so that others can be made strong in Christ. It's a big part of what we're trying to do as a church, to harness this excess horsepower that we believe is latent in our midst, and to use it for furthering the gospel. So, in this coming year, we're going to be talking about um, what does it mean to bring your, your faith and your work together? What does that look like? We're going to have a whole initiative around faith and work. We have a, Andrew Franklin has taken on the title of Director of City Mission, and, and he's already been doing so much in leading us to care for the poor and, and, and other aspects of that. And we're going to continue to, to build that out and, and to do it by the Spirit, not in a way that we're just sort of. Saying, okay, here's another thing to put on your already busy schedule. This has got to be spirit led. But we're continuing to, to, in faith, step out to use the horsepower that we know is latent in our midst because of God for the sake of the advance of his kingdom. We're stepping out in San Francisco, and tonight there'll be a gathering of the first gathering, a group of people in San Francisco for a church plant that's going to be beginning to work. Uh, with with pastor brent heading that up so we're stepping out in faith uh banking on the scriptures that in us there is latent this horsepower the strength to be able to do the things the mission that god has called us to do so the first thing we we do is we, we take that strength and we focus it towards the gospel because that's what we've been called to do that's our mission Second thing we realize if we want to have this strength overflow is that our strength is coordinated by the Holy Spirit. And so I want to just say to you some of you may not know this, but in the book of Ephesians, uh, we're told that everyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ has been given a gift or multiple gifts to be used in the context of the body, the, the church, for the strengthening of the church. And so often what happens, I think, is we come to faith in Jesus Christ and and even our setting messes with this. We're sitting in chairs and and, and we feel like, what could we bring to the table of the church? And I want to disabuse us of that very quickly and, and powerfully, hopefully, to say that every single one of us in this room has been gifted. And let me read the scripture to you, verse 7 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And we find elsewhere in the scripture that, that, that the idea that, that Christ has given gifts, spiritual gifts to every single one of us in this room. And they're intended to be used within the body to strengthen the body. And if you don't know what your gifts are, Um, again, we've got some tools to help you do that. So if you go to that website, that Opiso, by the way, that word means to follow Jesus. Opiso means to follow, follow. We think of it in terms of follow Jesus. If you go to that website, there's a spiritual gifts inventory, and you can work through this inventory to help you see what your spiritual gift is. I think sometimes we, we think, well, there's leaders in the church, and they're sort of orchestrating everything, and they're putting people together and making it all happen, and that's not really what's going on in a church that's healthy. What's going on in a church that's healthy is that the Holy Spirit is orchestrating the bringing together of the gifts. And so if you're getting strong, you are going to discover that this giftedness that Christ has given to you has to find a way out. You're not going to be able to sit on it. And if you wait for the pastor to ask you to do something, then you're going to keep sitting on it probably. Don't wait. It's the Holy Spirit who coordinates the work in the church. So when you gather together in your home group, you're going to find this. In that home group, there's going to be all the gifts that are needed. And if you find one missing, maybe you go after somebody to bring that in. But but the gifts listed in the New Testament, you're going to find. And as you live out those gifts and that giftedness in the setting of community, you will be strengthened and you will strengthen others and the church will be strengthened. And so it's really important that we feel that sense of empowerment from the Holy Spirit, that God has already empowered you to be a blessing to the people around you. We don't want to wait. That strength comes through the people. And then thirdly, our strength is molded through training. So we may have a gift, and it may be a little bit raw. It may not be shaped, and we may not understand how to use it. We may have the gift of leadership, but but we haven't really... Explored how that is to work itself out in our setting, and, and we need to get near somebody who is a leader and learn from them, so that that gift can be molded. You can say that about any of the gifts—hospitality or, or service or whatever it is. We need to we need to be trained. Um, unfortunately, when we think about learning in our culture, what we often think about is receiving information. But if we if we look. More biblically, and we look at the way Jesus trained the disciples. It wasn't merely just receiving information; it was about living life together and practicing together what it meant to do life. And so he spent his time with the disciples, and he 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 did life with them, and he brought them along, and they they experienced what it was like to to, to eat together and to to go to a new city and reach out and love people. And, and they did it all together, and they learned by doing. My son has recently been working at a, a bicycle store, a new bicycle store that's opening up. And as he was starting, I, I said to him, sort of in my, my backwards mindset, I said, yeah, you know, you can, you can look at YouTube videos because there's lots of YouTube videos that tell you how to fix a bike and work on a bike. And he kind of looked at me, and he, and he sort of disagreed. He said, well, or I could just build bikes, Right? At the bike store. Um, and that's a better way to learn, actually. Build. So he walked in one day and the, and the owner of the bike store had all these parts uh, laying out on the desk there. And he said, build the bike. And so he put the parts on the stand and built the bike. And that's how you learn. By doing. Right? And we have oftentimes got this sense that, that, that learning is filling our head with knowledge. And we've got, to, we've got to go back to the way Jesus did it. Where learning wasn't just filling your head with knowledge learning was was doing life along somebody who's a little bit further along than you. The phrase that we're using is apprentice everything. Apprentice everything. So if we have a home group leader, that home group leader needs to have a co-leader who's learning how to lead a home group so that soon that home group can multiply and, and we can reach more people and bless more people through that. If we have somebody who's worshiping, you see that we've already been doing that with with Miguel training up Brenly to, to lead worship. We have to apprentice everything. Apprentice. We have a pastor who's going to be going out to start a church. We want to apprentice everything that we do. But not only the task, but just life itself. There are people in this congregation who are further along than you and just sort of doing life. And what Jesus wants is for you to get close to them And watch how they do it, how they live out their faith, how they filter everything through the gospel. And to be a part of watching that so that you can absorb it. And then what he wants you to do uh, is to take that and find somebody who's newer in the process and share your life with them. We've got so many things that work against this, right? We're so busy, we think, and our lives are so disjointed and we're so afraid, how could I ever set myself in authority over, I'm not further along than anybody else, right? We have to shatter some of these barriers to doing church the way Jesus intended for us to do it. Was that it would be apprenticeships, life on life, doing life together. And in that, what happens is we, we encounter strength, strength from the Lord. And the strength that we have from the Lord gets shaped so that then it can be used in the world for blessing of others around us. Now, I've shared this with you before, but when I was living in Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, I had the great opportunity of going to Three Mile Island, which is the nuclear power plant there, and it was not radioactive anymore after that little accident that they had. And so I was able to uh, have a tour of it, and one of the elders was an engineer uh, at that. He was one of the head engineers, and so he gave me sort of an all-day tour. We went all throughout this thing and explained to me exactly how a nuclear power plant works and um, um, I told him I'd already learned that in seminary, but it was fine. Um, and, no, they don't teach us that. But he explained it all, and, and, and it was fascinating. And I'll never forget uh, being, being uh, sort of at the center of this thing, and there's this giant shaft that was connected to all the apparatus that was generating the, the power, and it was, it was causing this shaft to be spinning. And there was a little open, lots of glass between it, but there's a little open place where you could look in, and you could see this, this shaft that was not that big, but it was just spinning at some astronomical pace. I don't remember what it was, but you just looked at this thing, and it was amazing, and you're standing right there, sort of at the epicenter of where this power is being translated into the world. And, th- and then I, I, I left, and it was getting dark, and I'm driving, and there's these hills, and I'm watching all these lights come on across the hill. And I'm thinking to myself, that's amazing, all from that little, that shaft This power is being generated and it's going out of the power plant uh, onto the hillside and people are in their homes and they're making their dinner and they're reading books or watching TV and getting together because they have this light under which they can live. Now how ridiculous would it be if that power plant used all that power just to turn the lights on for itself? Just to just to use to, to, to run the lights in the power plant. You would say, what a waste. There's all this excess energy and strength and power available. It's meant to be sent out. And that's the message when we talk about getting strong. That's the message, is that the, the, the power, the strength that's available to us, not because of us, but because of this of, of the strength in God through Jesus Christ poured into us, that's meant. To be dispersed into the world when, you, when we go out as points of light in the world. And to create space where people can encounter that light of the gospel. And to begin to filter their lives through it. And so they can get strong. And they can get connected and grounded. And, and healed. And become the people that God intended them to become. That's what we've been called to do. Another great image of that is how we come to this table. All over the world, the church continues to gather at the table. And one day, we will all gather at the table and have the heavenly feast. And it will be one table. I don't know how it will work, but we'll all be there. And again, it's that, like, it's that source of, of strength. In our weakness, we come and we're made strong. And so as you come to this table this morning, I want to invite you to come forward in weakness with the expectation that in your weakness, God will make you strong. And then I want you to ask this question, Lord, what do you want me to do with my strength? Your strength in me. What do you want me to do with it? I'm not to just harbor it and hold on to it for my own selfish needs, but to release it into the community and the world around me. And so I want you to just ask that question, Lord, how, as you make me strong, what do you want me to do with it?